uh, for you. Luke chapter 16. There are many places in the Bible that probably you like and I like, but this one motivates me greatly. It's a unique story. It's a story of stewardship. We've already read it with Brother Collins. He did such a great job reading with us, and thank you very much for doing that. But there are several stewardship stories in the Bible that came from the lips and from the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. You might remember the one where God gave 10 men one talent and said, uh, it was a story, and said, you go out and I'll come back later. Another one, he gave one man five, another man two, another man one, and said, I'm going to go away and I'll come back later. And we'll evaluate where you're going to do, what you're going to do with it. This is the third one. This is one a little more unique. A fellow already works for a man. He's a steward of all that he, that uh, this man is wealthy. He has multiple, probably businesses and multiple foremans that work for him. They live in his property. They, he gets paid. He supplies their meals. He takes care of their families and they do a work for him. And the Bible tells us here that this particular gentleman uh, was reported to the boss, his, his leader, that um, he was doing a lousy job. He was wasting his master's goods. He wasn't doing a good job with the responsibility. He was clueless. And wealthy men do not stay wealthy ignoring such information. And so this man uh, confronts this steward. He says to him, hey, I've heard you're wasting my goods. And you may no longer be a steward for me. I'm thinking about firing you. But I'm going to give you some time. Get your stuff together. I'll call you back in. And when I call you back in, I want you to show me what you've been doing with my business. And the guy steps away from that and he says, I'm going to get canned. I'm going to get fired because everything that he heard about me is true. I'm lazy. I'm irresponsible. I don't have my paperwork together. He steps away from that meeting and he says, I don't know what I'm going to do. He goes, I can't go dig. I can't get back into manual labor. Maybe he had a bad back. Maybe he was older. Maybe just flat out lazy. He said, I can't see myself taking a shovel or going out in the fields every day and providing for my family, but I'm going to get kicked out of the house. I'm not going to have anything. I don't know how I'm going to explain this because I can't dig. And to go around and beg, say, my name is Jimmy, take all you give me. He goes, I don't see myself doing it. I can't do that. That's, I, I disdain beggars. I've been the boss, man, and now I'm, I can't go around and just say, help me, man, help me. I don't have any money. I need some help. My wife, I need a place to stay. And I can't see myself doing that. I don't know what to do. And the Bible says that this guy had a, a thought. Here's what he says. Let's look at it if we can see. I think God will say it better than I can say it. But he says in verse number three, Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the steward. I'm going to get... Fired. I cannot dig and to beg. I am embarrassed. I'm ashamed. Then he says, hey, I am resolved what to do. That when I'm put out of the stewardship, when I get fired, and he has to make me leave my home, that they may receive me into their houses, that other people will let me stay with them until I get my stuff together. 
So he starts thinking, he said, hang on a second. I'm not going to be digging and to go around and beg. I won't have to beg. I don't know what I'm going to do. He says, so whenever the boss comes back and he says, all right, show me your stuff, I'm going to get fired. So I got to find a way in which I can get people to um, let me live in their house till I can get it together. I'm going to get kicked out. I'm going to lose my income. And so a pretty shrewd dude. Last week we talked about the nude dude in a rude mood. This guy is just a shrewd guy. He's just, he's, he's really thinking through this. So he thinks to himself, ah, oh, I know people owe my boss money. So I'm going to find out how much they owe him. I'm going to call a meeting, and if you owe my boss money, I need to talk to you. So maybe he went through his own list, or he found out people that owed him less, and he said, hey, we got to talk. We got to talk. Come and meet me. Maybe he sat down at the desk, or maybe he had them come to the desk, and he said, hey, you owe my boss money. You owe my boss something. What do you owe him? Now, he asked them because he had probably no clue himself. He was so disorganized, so out of it, he didn't even know how much they owe him. So he's dependent upon them to tell him, how much do you owe my boss? Look, if you would, please, at the verse number five. So he called every one of the Lord's debtors unto him. This is his, his, his boss. And he said unto the first, how much owest thou to my Lord? How much do you owe my... He took his word for it. He said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, take thy bill and sit down quickly and write 50. He said, how much do you owe my boss? He said, 50 measures of oil. He said, hang on a second. Let me see that paper. He said, look, let's change that. Here, take my pen, cross out 100 and put 50 there, and I'll sign it. And so he signed it. Maybe he had the boss's ring at the time. He might have taken it, pushed it down on there, made a mark on it so everybody knew that was his boss's ring, and that's, that's authorized now. So now this guy who came to a reckoning time and he found out he owed him 100 measures of oil, and now he walks away with only owing 50. Well, to that fellow he said, you're a cool dude, man. I love you. You're a great guy. I could imagine one of the guys said, you're going to just cut my bill in half like that? He said, yeah, yeah. Why would you do that? He goes, I just, you know, it's, it's a hard time. I mean, we're coming after COVID and everything. So everybody's having a hard time. Be good to everybody. Everybody's having a hard time. He said, look, I just want to be a help to people. And I'm sure that guy said, you're kidding me. And I appreciate that. I was thinking about taking my, bill, my work down to Home Depot, but we're going to stay right with you, buddy. He said, you know, I like you, man. You're a blessing. Hey, you got to come over to the house. You got kids in the family? He goes, oh, yeah, I got all of them. He goes, yeah, you got to come over to my house sometime. And in the back of his mind, he said, oh, yeah, I'm coming sooner than you think. He said, ah, no, I got to go to the next guy. He goes, no, I'm kidding you. I I, I, that's great. Thank you so much. Next, how much do you owe my Lord? He goes, I owe him 100 measures of wheat. He said, here, let's change that right now. Take away 100. Let's make it 80. Probably if I would have been there, I'd say, hey, you gave him 50. Give me 50, you know. He said 80, and he, he signed it, stamps it. Thank you very much. He said, man, I can't believe you did this. I, I was a little nervous. You're going to call, call my loan and make me pay all of it. And now you're just discounting. That's all I'm doing, just discounting. He said, I really appreciate that. So we got to do lunch sometime. He goes, oh, yeah, sooner than you think. 
Boy, one after the wonder, everybody's getting all these brother-in-law deals, and he's excited about it. And everybody is, likes him. And he becomes to make lots of friends with everybody in the community. I imagine his boss even becomes pretty popular in the situation. I, I can just imagine his boss going out of the post office, you know, and some fellow saying, hey, Mr. So-and-so, you're the best. He goes, yeah, what are you talking about? He said, oh, man. He said, I just say, you and your worker there, I tell you what, let's just call him Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy, Jimmy's unbelievable. I'll tell you what, this guy's unbelievable. He goes, really? How unbelievable is he? He goes, he gave me a 50% discount. He did what? <laughs> he said, man, we love him. I was really thinking about just, just I, I, I was going through such a hard time. It encouraged me so much. You, you know the heart of the community, sir, and I really appreciate how you love people here. I'm going to keep my business going to you. I think things are going to turn around. I'm sure he went to go get his tea at his shea shop, you know, and someone says, oh, his money's not good here. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, he's not going to pay here. I, I'm paying for him. Now this guy becomes very popular in the community, and his boss becomes popular. Well, the boss got wind of what was going on. And the Bible says that the boss said something very unique. He didn't get mad. He probably had enough money that it was no skin off his, off his nose. But he, 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 he recognized what was going on. He had enough people communicate with him and tell him he'd give him a deal. And, and Jimmy over here is unbelievable that he said, that clown. I don't know if that, that may not be in the Greek. I don't know for sure. But he said, that guy is pretty sharp. He's an idiot. He's lazy. He's irresponsible. But he did something pretty smart. He knew I was going to have to fire him. He knew I was making him get out of his house. And he went around town and made himself, and quite frankly me, one of the most popular people in the community. Smart guy. And he says something very sad. But Jesus doesn't say it, but he says it. He said, that guy, the children, the wicked people in the world are in their generation in some ways wiser than the children of light. He said, this guy, as wicked and as shrewd and as lazy and as irresponsible as he is, he has got more sense than a guy who's been lit up with the gospel and says he's a Christian. Because he looked down the road of life and he said, you know what, I'm getting canned. And I don't know when the boss is calling me back, because in every one of the stewardship stories, the boss goes away and comes back. So I don't know when the boss is coming back, but when he comes back, I am going to get fired. And so i got to do something while I, have, while I have some time. Now that is the story. Look and see what the boss says. So you can just see it from what God says. And verse number 8. And the Lord, that's the little L, not, not Jesus, but the guy's boss, commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. So he said, this guy, he, did, he thought more down the road of life than many Christians think about. Now, you know, there's a lot of things that we can take away from this story, and I'm sure I, I would enjoy listening to your thoughts from this. I'm sure many of you are just, your, your wheels are rolling, you're thinking, oh man, this is what God's trying to tell me, or this is what would be a great application here, and probably better than I could even think about. 
However, I, I want to just make a couple things that we can see here. And then Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to say, take the story, and he's going to make an application. He's going to say, I want you to take this story and do something with it. And he says that in verse number 9. Would you look at it, if you would, please? Would you read it out loud with me, everyone? This is Jesus talking. Here we go. And I say unto you, friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, So Jesus said, boys and girls, the story's over. Here's the lesson. You get out there and use the mammon of unrighteousness, finances in particular. We're talking about investing with eternity in view. This is why I've gone to this passage. He said, go out there and use what you have now while your signature matters, while you have some authority. I want you to get out there, and I want you to make friends using your talents, your time, but in particular, your money, your finances. Make yourselves friends so that when you fail, that means you die, that they that get saved because of your influence and because of your stewardship can receive you into everlasting, what's the last word? Habitations, heavenly homes, okay, where you live in heaven. So that's, that is the story. So a couple of things we can learn from this real quickly. Number one is that life is a stewardship. This guy lived in a house that wasn't his house. He probably said, take it to my house, but it really wasn't his house. He said, honey, fix me a supper, but it really was money that he was getting from his boss. He was signing for things at the hardware store or the feed store or wherever else. And, but it really wasn't, the money he was spending wasn't really his money. And you know, that's true to me today. You don't have a house. That house belongs to your master. The car you drive, that's, that's really not your car. The kids that call you dad and mom, they really are not yours. Children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Don't ever rob God of his reward. God wants to give you children. Let, them, let God give you children. They're his. He's the one who does that. You know, your kids are yours. Are not yours, they're his. Your home, your possessions, your health. I said, how many have you heard someone say, and maybe you've said it, my health is really good. My health is good. Is it your health really? That can change so stinking fast, can it not? Everything we have is a stewardship. Our time, our, 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 our talents, our strengths. Some of you are unbelievably gifted. And I, I am so glad. I love to see God surface in his people's strengths that are used for the glory of God. It is fun. It's fun when someone says, you know what? I know that God may be good at this. I don't need a position. I don't need a paycheck in many cases. I just need an opportunity. And I can do this. And they do it, and it's unbelievable. But your talents, didn't, you, you didn't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. 
You, you, everything God gave you. How many would say, I, I was thinking this morning there are 14 people in a discipleship lesson. And I looked across that little room there with 14 people. And probably of the 14, nine of them were brand new Christians that had been saved in the last five. They couldn't, they couldn't probably find John in the Bible or Romans without some help. But I looked at the pigment of their skin. I looked at their gender. I looked at... Um, where they came from, and what God had to do to get them in, all 14 of us in that room this morning. I'm just like blown away just praying for them and thinking, wow, God, all you did to get us in one room today. Unbelievable, God of heaven. Showing how much he loves us and giving us the ability to read. I thought about everyone who read this morning. Of the, of the 14 people, I think 13 of us, 12 of us read out loud. I thought about Every one of them had a, probably a different teacher teach them how to read in kindergarten and first grade. That's one thing I would never want to do is teach someone how to read. I don't even know how to read myself. <laughs> I just think, I can't even imagine. I, I'm, I, I'm not a good reader. I can't imagine. Teach. But every one of those people were taught to read by somebody. Some were born here in the state. Some were born in another country. Some of them live in Calumet City. Some live in Chicago. Some live in Hebron. Some live in Chesterton. Some were born in India. Others were born in Chicago or Hammond, St. Margaret's. All God did to bring us together. You know, all of us, what we have, God gave it to us. And the best thing you can do is to figure out, okay, hang on a second. I got nothing. Everything I have belongs to God. I didn't start learning to think to myself, okay, Lord, what do you want done? I was sitting here tonight and I was thinking, well, I was listening to something was going on. The Lord brought a problem that we have in our church. And uh, I, thought, I thought to myself, oh, man, that is heavy. And then I thought to myself, why am I feeling heavy? It's not my problem. This is not my church. I need to think, God, you got that. I want to cast my care upon the Why? Who loves this church more than you and I are all put together? God. Who loves the ministry? Who loves our children? Who loves your life? Life is a stewardship. Number two, you're going to get fired. Every one of us are going to get fired from living. You can miss your dentist appointment. You can miss your B&B appointment. But you'll be there when you get fired. You and God will be there. I prayed with someone. I said, Lord, I pray you please bless them as they transition into eternity. And they go, hey, I like the way you said that, transition. That's a soft way to saying you're dead, you know. <laughs> the truth of the matter is we're going to get fired. And as soon as you get fired, your signature doesn't matter. Your authority is gone. You've given your last dime. You've given out your last track. You've participated in the work of God and with the Lord. There's no soul winning in heaven. No one's going to be walking down streets and putting door hangers in heaven. Nobody's going to be giving offerings in heaven to my knowledge. Maybe the Lord has something I don't know about, but I don't think so. All the things you're going to do, you're going to do while you are still got your ink pen. While you still have authority. But you're going to get fired. You say, well, Pastor, I am 17. I tell you what, I can't wait. I'm going to get this and that and that. You don't know what's going to happen to you. You could be in a nursing home this week. 
having someone else feed you baby food. Puree and everything you have for the rest of your life. You don't know what's going on. So life is a stewardship. We're going to get fired. And the key to finishing this thing right is faithfulness. But he says, I want you to think about what are you using to make eternal friends? The longer I live and the more I read my Bible, to realize that even prayer, God wants me to pray that other people would get saved. God's heart is for global conquest. If we're not careful, we just want a church that makes us feel fuzzy-wuzzy. A place I can just take my family and sit down and enjoy a good message. We ought to have a good child care now. That's good. That's important. Give me something for my kids. Keep the school going. You know, every, you know what we do to school? is So kids will grow up and love Jesus enough to go witness like Noah did this week. All we have a city Baptist is so they can go off and serve the Lord with their life. You know why we have a house Angel College? Because each one of those beautiful people that stood up a few moments ago, we prayed around, can go out and, make, and punch a hole in the darkness with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am sick to death. I wouldn't have a school just to just educate kids and keep them away from the world. I think if that's the only reason you're doing it, you can't train them to love God and be a soul-conscious Christian. We're wasting our time. Let someone else do that. If we're just giving an education to Howells Engineering College so they can go out and take a degree and go out and make something of themselves, ah, I'm not interested. But if we can, if we can train godly young men and young women, if I can get the moms and dads and, and aunts and uncles and grandparents praying that God would use our church and our individuals, our own lives to get the gospel to people so they can join us in everlasting habitations. That's what we're supposed to do. Why are we given to missions? Not that we, they have nothing to brag about, but why? It's because by getting the gospel to them, we can see people. Little Brother Fee says, you see those people? Two years ago, he walked onto that place. There ain't nobody there. And now you see 25 or 30 workers, he calls them. that are going, taking people to the gospel of Christ. He's trying to train them. You see four or five men sitting at a table learning the gospel so they can go out and start another church someplace how many have ever been to Gabon, Africa? Would you raise your hand if you've been there before? Nobody? Oh, we got someone over here. God bless you. Congratulations. I've never been there, but you know what? I'm there. I'm a little bit there through prayer and through giving. And those are my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm sure they got some problems over there. I'm sure they oil and drill some, uh, they need probably water in some places. And I, we've already, Brother, um, I think Brother Hayes and Brother Boyce are working to get uh, water machines over there for they can get entrances. But boy, that's all for the gospel's sake. So that we can enjoy heaven with other people in our heavenly habitations. At the conclusion, he just says, okay, if life is a stewardship and you're going to get fired in just a few days, you only have a few days until the boss is calling you back in and you're going to give an account of yourself, your time, your tribe, your family, your, your trials, your training that you've had, the exposure you've had. So if you're going to give an account, by the way, I believe you and me will have a much higher level of evaluation than somebody who 
whose parents just took them to church once a week and they heard a little celebration time and pat yourself on the head and sing Kumbaya and go back home. You and I have been given a lot. Most of you know how to win someone to Christ. Why aren't you? Most of you, you have more money than you need. Why don't you give more aggressively? And I don't know who, who, how much gives. I don't know that. There, some of you, God has tapped you in the shoulder and told you to do something, and you're still fighting with him. Why in the world would you do that? Obey him. Some of you, you spend your time flapping your soup coolers and playing on Facebook, and there are people all over this ministry that you could, you could do something to help them. You're crying about everything when you ought to be engaged in the gospel ministry. I saw Paul Fielder picking up trash around City Baptist this week, trying to keep that huge thing, him almost solo. Brother Steve Sloan's been, been down with a the, with the knee. And I'm thinking, I said, why in the world that guy's doing it all by himself? And we got clowns all over this church that probably could go out there and give two hours and, and say, you don't have to do that, Paul. I'll pick that up so you can, I'll trim this, I'll do that. There's people who can drive buses. You don't drive buses, you could. People don't have to drive when they don't even have, when they, they need a break. Sometimes a church is kind of like a football game, a team, a football game, a college football game, Northwestern or Notre Dame. 80,000 people who need exercise watching, 22 guys who need a break. We could be engaged in that. And I don't know who you are, and I'm, I'm not even trying to meddle. I'm just, I'm just telling us all of us need to realize we're going to give an account just to, our boss is coming back. We're going to stand and we're going to talk to him. He's going to say, John, I gave you this. I trained you in this way. I gave you trials. You're supposed to take those things and use them. Instead, you just put it out on Facebook all the how, how hard it is to be you. Wasted it. Made it all about you. I gave you a family. I gave you a relationship. I gave you money. I gave you talents. I gave you time. And you didn't have enough time? You couldn't engage in that? You couldn't do something? You were just going around waiting for someone to tap you on the shoulder and tell you you're a good person? Or you could have done something. You're all about us? Is this, is this how it's going to be, Wilkerson? He said, look, life's a stewardship. You're going to get fired, and you're going to have an accountability. The Bible's very clear. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, and it's appointed unto every man once to die, and after that, the, the accountability. And so he said, get out there and make to your friends, eternal friends, using the things I gave you. And then he says, be faithful in three things. Be faithful in little things, in your money, in your management, in your masters. But let's look real quick at verse number 10. The Bible says, and he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust, now which is least and faithful and unjust also in much. He said, be faithful in little things. Now, I don't know what the little things are to you. They might be wasting food on your plate. I don't know. Maybe that's, just, that's something that you're doing wrong. It might be not making your bed or taking care of your yard. It might be uh, just little things you're asked to do. Yeah, it's not important. Look, everything's important. All ground is holy ground. Every bush is a burning bush. We got to evaluate, okay, if I'm faithful in that which is little, then I'll be faithful in that which is much. If I'm unfaithful in that which is least, I'll be unfaithful in, in that which is little. So it's, I'm gonna, it's just, he says, look, be faithful in the little things. The next thing he says in verse 11, read it out loud with me, would you please? If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, 
Okay, he says, now look, the next thing you'll be faithful with is not just the little things, but lucrative things, financial things. You know, I, I, we're talking about investing with eternity in view, and we've talked a little bit about money on Wednesday night. I want to thank all those who participated and helped us do that, and those who came and participated in the, in the exercise of going to different places and learning about things. But there is somebody who's watching how I spend and how I use and how I save and how I invest money, and that's God. He is, you are under evaluation. It's, it's going to be on the table. Guaranteed, that's going to be on the table. And it not only tells where your heart will go, it tells where your heart is. It tells where your heart is and where it's going to go. That's why I said, you know, where your treasure is, there your... Yeah. And all of us think about money. He said, now, I'm going to watch how you spend your money. You say, Pastor, that's not a big deal. If I want to spend... If you owe somebody, pay them. Don't, don't make them wait and you go over here and be sitting over here and, 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 and padding your, your situation. Filling your pie hole when someone else has something over here. I mean, they'll get, they'll get theirs in time. They don't even need it. It's your responsibility. And God is watching how you use that. If you say, ah, debt, debt, everybody lives with debt. No, they don't. And don't let, don't get happy with that. Oh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just our culture today. Listen, your culture and my culture, it, 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 it contradicts God's word. Ask God to help you with that. Because God's watching how I little little things, lucrative things, and the Lord's things. The next thing he says, he says, if, if you can't handle that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? And he considers everything to be his now. But I feel like that he's telling us here that in eternity future, God wants to give you your own stuff. Yeah, it's a stewardship here, but later on, there's going to be things that you won't have. That, it'll be all yours, and you have a lot more options and a lot more time to use your options. Now, Jesus, I think, is, is saying all this with the understanding that the Pharisees are listening. He ticks them off with this. He starts in chapter 14, 15, he says, remember, this, you know, they were saying, why are you eating with all these sinners and publicans? He told them three stories. You might remember the story. One is about the lost sheep. The other one was the lost coin. And the last one was the prodigal son. And at the end of the day, all those things that were lost were found, and there was rejoicing in heaven. Now, they didn't really like that story, so he gave them this story. He turned to his disciples, but they're listening within earshot, and he says to them, look, you've got to choose. You can't serve God and mammon. You've got to figure this out. And they derided him. They got mad. And he says, hey, hey, I feel like you're talking to me. He said, well, you, you read the mail very well. Thank you. I was talking to you. And notice what he says as we conclude tonight. Verse 14, the Pharisees also, which were what? I got that in me and you got that in you too. That itch for more. Heard all these things and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your what? For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. He's saying, look, God can see everything. He sees the little things, the lucrative things. He sees his things. And he says, you know what? There's going to be an evaluation. 
And the key to having a better evaluation is being faith-filled, being faithful. Faithful, trusting God with what he's given you, understanding, recognizing him. You know, with Solomon who said, at the end of the, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Recognize God, fear God, and then do what he tells you to do. This is the whole duty of man. Honor the Lord. His little song, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Simple truth, faithful in little things, financial things, and faithful in things that God has bestowed upon our lives. Let's pray together.